Well, rather colorful conversation. I could have. Oh no! <laughs> It'll never happen again either. Yeah, but... All right, let's see. If Facebook. We, we were only one. talking about scripture and Bible verses. Too <laughs> oh, my favorite! The power of Christ compels you. Yeah, let's go. Blessed are the cheesemakers. <laughs> All right. All right. Here we go. Sit and join the shade. Hey, brother, pour the wine. Drink the drink that I have made. Hey, brother, pour the wine. Good evening. Happy Sunday. Welcome to Drink in the Style, brought to you by Habitation Furnishing and Design. I'm your host, Gregory Rich, and I'm going to help you kill your Saturday and Sunday early evenings with some booze and conversation. I changed that up because we are now airing uh, here in Minneapolis on both Saturdays and Sunday. Saturdays at, what is it, Brett, 6 p.m.? 7 p.m. 7 p.m.? yes. I'm with it. That's prime time. Exactly, yeah. Wow. Greg's going to go home and draw a bubble bath and listen to his radio show on Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I always do. It's just usually the podcast. Bath salt, anyone? Um, my, oh, I did just get a, actually a whole new shipment of Epsom salts, Weird. eucalyptus scented. Oh, I dig that though. I dig that. Right? Mm-hmm. Top notch. It makes your skin baby soft, soothes your muscles, and uh, yeah, we aren't going anywhere further on that. So my guest this evening <laughs> is the man that Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine likes to refer to as the style maker. I researched you. Mr. Carter Everback from... I'm for May Studio in Minneapolis. Carter, how are you? I'm doing great. How does it feel to be a style maker? I was born to be that. You were born yes. to be a style maker. Carter is an extraordinary individual in the design and art community. We're going to be talking about uh, not just general design, but we're also going to be talking about the uh, vintage furniture that he recreates, which is awe-inspiring. The art that he creates as well, and a whole bunch of other things. And it's going to be really, really interesting because we have an interesting cocktail created by our dedicated cocktailist who is back in the United States, Dan Newkirk. Welcome home. Thanks. Good to be back. How was Mexico? Anything you can tell us about? Yeah, you know, uh, I learned how to surf. Awesome. Totally I, awesome. I, uh, I I definitely enjoyed walking uh, through small fishing, surfing villages, and kind of hanging out. So you did like a, a solo trek through Mexico. Yeah, it was awesome. That's crazy. Yeah. That's absolutely crazy. What part of Mexico? Uh, well, I flew into Puerto Vallarta because that was the cheapest and the fastest because it's only a four-hour direct flight. Nice. Uh, and then I headed north up to Sayulita, which okay. is a well-known like surf hippie community. Okay. Uh, but I, I I walked all the way up there. So it was like it was like 20 miles um, up the coastline. It was awesome. Like little, little old grannies, you know, making tortillas on the ground. I was like, oh, that's where I need to eat. So you Everything just was amazing. On the coast? Yeah. yeah. It was super dope. That's, so you stepping over dead bodies on the way or anything? Or not, no. no, no risks, no drug cartel shootings? What, that... what happens in Mexico stays in Mexico, my friend. <laughs> I killed three people and I learned to surf. Thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Now, we are straying a little bit from the uh, cocktailogy menu that we would normally have embraced, which is usually a very, uh, huh, a very strong brown liquor based uh, type of a, of a cocktail. And instead, tell our listeners what Mister Aberbeck has requested. Well, the request that I got last night while I was uh, out with some friends at a silent auction, 
I get a test. Do you know what a, are you cool with doing a death in the afternoon? I was like, oh, my God, we're going to die in the afternoon. <laughs> so death in the afternoon, uh, a, a nice cocktail that Ernest Hemingway kind of kind of coined because uh, he used to drink these in the afternoon and get just sh- schnuckered. Uh, well, he died drinking one of them. Well, yes, but he, killed himself he drank them before. on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's just it's champagne with uh, absinthe. And now, of course, like, you know, Back in the day, everybody, you know, seen the Green Fairy. They don't, they don't make that absinthe that way anymore. Uh, yeah. This is American absinthe. Yeah. Uh, Americanized absinthe. But it still has strong notes of uh, anise and uh, wormwood, which I am not a fan of. We, we did our warm-up shot, and I, all you guys were like, oh, this is great. And I'm like, I want to die. <laughs> so the drink really is hitting <laughs> well, home for me. Afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. We're yeah. killing it. Yeah, exactly. Now, for uh, for listeners out there, by way of just a little bit of historical background, absinthe is a green liqueur that uh, was extremely popular, uh, basically through all of history, and especially in the early part of the 20th century, among the European-based uh, American literati, Ernest Hemingway, F. Scott Fitzgerald, uh, the whole crew from Midnight in Paris, if you'd this, like. This is the drink for masochists, because, man... It is so. It's like a. It's a uh, uh, an anise forward uh, uh, green liqueur that uh, had traditionally been infused with a hallucinogen called wormwood. So the writers would sit on the banks of the Seine. They would sip their absinthe and they would basically hallucinate. Eventually, getting the uh, the name the Green Fairy. Uh, for the the bottle of liquor that uh, who would appear at some point and help inspire them as a muse is that correct, uh, yes, Carter? That is correct. Yeah. See, insane depths of useless knowledge overall. It then became <laughs> uh, illegal. It was banned uh, in the 30s, I think. Well, it was well, banned in the United States. During even in Europe too. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. During prohibition, of course, it was banned. Yeah. Uh, even in Europe, it became banned because of the wormwood, even though they had other alcohol uh, available. Um, and then eh, a handful of years ago, it kind of made a comeback. Uh, but it made a comeback without the hallucinogen hallucinogen properties. Yeah. Um, so it's still an insanely strong liquor. Any idea what the proof is on that? Uh, a lot. Yeah. yeah, that'll work. We're, we're feeling great. All right. So there it is. That's the uh, the background of, uh, of uh, Absinthe. So, Brad, hit us with some mixing music. So, and Dan, walk us through this catastrophe. Honestly, we're just going to put some bitters, uh, one ounce per, and then top with some bubbles. Um, I'm going to chill the Absinthe to help me a little bit, but screw you guys. Fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, we're boarding. We have an ice-filled Yari. Is that correct? Hey! Buzzword. Thank, thank you very much. You can learn more about Yaris in the upcoming Drinking the Style Companion. We'll talk about that soon. All right. So you've got uh, two shots of, uh, of absinthe going in. You're making four drinks, so it's the equivalent of half a shot per... Oh, it's one ounce per. All right. One ounce per. What kind of bitters are you using? I think we're going to do the first one with a little bit of lemon. First one, you're ambitious. And this one, I feel like we're going to have what, just one. Uh, and a cedar and cloves. Ooh. Wow. It's like spa day. Should <laughs> <laughs> be drinking. Seriously. All right, so you've mixed the uh, the bitters and the uh, absinthe, but you have not mixed in the champagne yet. So you're mixing that up in the Yari, maybe a half dozen uh, revolutions. Man, this is the easiest drink we've ever made on the show. This is great. Right. So you should thank me at least for that. Oh, yeah, I'll thank you, all right, after the show. Jesus. <laughs> all right, so you're pouring in the uh, absinthe bitters mix, which has been chilled into a, uh, what do you call these glasses, champagne flute? Champagne flute. Now you're adding... 
a good deal of bitters. No, I mean, one eyedropper is usually the way to go, but I'm doing half because I'm going to split the difference awesome. with the two different bitters. Okay. So basically, you were just kill- cooling down the absinthe. You were not blending the... Yeah, I didn't dilute very much. I just wanted to get it uh, a little bit more room temperature friendly. Okay. Additional bitters. You're going heavy on the bitters. Salt and pepper and cocktails, my friend. Yeah, no. Amen to that. And then we've got our bubbles. What specifically have you chosen? Uh, this is mum, so it can't be called champagne, but it's the same thing. It just comes out of California. Okay, sparkling wine. And I'm also going to hit it with a, uh, a tincture. You boys want to go rosemary or vanilla? Rosemary. Excellent. Rosemary it shall be. All right. Dude, this is making like the perfect color for uh, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, that's what I was going for, Greg. Yeah, well done. Thanks of all the Irish-Albanian. Yeah, that, uh, that's a one hell of a hybrid. <laughs> Things could not go worse. All right. We got it mixed up. We're going to try this over the break. And when we come back, we're going to tell you what we think about death in the afternoon and how much damage this thing does to us. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Drink in the Style. Stick with us. Out of town were the people I knew. I had that feeling of... That rosemary smells good. That smells great. That came out of my garden from this uh, this summer. My my first garden, my first green thumb experience. How do you extract it? Killed it. Uh, you basically just soak it in a high-proof uh, Nutri-Grain spirit, Everclear. Oh, okay. And you let it sit for like a week, and you just strain off the uh, the bullshit, and you get so. this beautiful... <clears throat> Shit, dude, this is You'll the best you've this. ever smelled. <laughs> I tried making a basil martini once because I had it at a restaurant. Yeah. And I'm like I'm like the guy that doesn't belong in a kitchen <laughs> yeah. for any reason right. whatsoever, past coffee. And so I thought, oh, I think I could, I think I could make this, right? <laughs> So I took the basil, I put it in a thing of vodka. It's like, oh, you're just supposed to, you know, let it sit there for a bit and ferment or whatever, and then you can drink it. Well, I came back the next day, and the whole bottle of vodka was green, right? Yeah. And I thought, I don't remember my martini being green, but whatever. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I, I mixed the martini, and it was the most acrid and nasty thing I ever had. But I didn't realize you were supposed to put in, like, one leaf of basil. I put it in the whole stock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I put it in the whole plant. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I like basil, but, oh, my God. All right. Gentlemen. Let's give these a try here. I hate you all. No, you Jeez. don't. This is, this is some next-level shit. Let's give it a try. This shit in the fucking afternoon. It's very tasty. Great. Yeah, sure. It's great. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. It's not taking the place of my men. I would like put it in my top ten, but it's good. <laughs> I like it. You know, the, the one Listen, thing. I can make, like, two-ingredient cocktails really well, and this is it. He just made it a lot more fancier than I would have. It's made. just, you know, the I'm a purist when it comes to cocktails. So people that bury flavors, you're, you're doing a shitty job. Mm-hmm. So you got to highlight, you know, the spirit they're using. Just so happens that I'm highlighting something that I despise. And there's there's that many booze that I that I don't really care for. This this is the one, man. Interesting. You, oh. uh, well, thank you for, for so the other one I suggested anyway. was um, the fur collar, which is a Vanderbilt's drink. It's the one they used to pass out on Sunday, you know, afternoons in the summer. Do you know what it and is? And all it is is that sounds like a dandy drink. All it is is basically uh, a screwdriver with apricot brandy mixed into it. Jesus, a mm. fur collar. When you take when it goes down your throat, back of your neck hair stick up. No, that's, it feels like a fur collar is going down your throat. <laughs> I, don't that's a, I don't know if that's I mean, an attractive literally. image <laughs> yeah. to be running through. Well, let's put it this way: when I needed to get a lot of business out of interior designers, 
Give him that fur coat. <laughs> it's what I would make. I mean, it's a, Suddenly, it's a, yeah, it was use... a little too smooth and sweet for me. Mm-hmm. They loved it. Oh, God. And it was enough to get me plenty of business. <laughs> this is one of those Yeah, we drinks. can squeeze in three sofas. <laughs> like, if you started me out with this drink, you know, this is the one that I would fucking slam. And then, like, all right, can I have an next one, please? Like, a different one? I have expected you to show up with, like, a backup drink. I'm actually shocked. Hey, man. Get a get a good under comfort zone, even if it sucks. That's exactly what I said. Well, I wouldn't. Oh, I didn't great. say I'm stretching sucks. it. <laughs> yeah. Said no man to me ever. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. I just did. <laughs> I was going to make a joke, and I I'm so proud of myself. Uh, nope, still in there. All right. No, I uh, I think this is this is tasty. I mean, yeah. absinthe is is. I mean, it's it's. it's 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 not that higher content. It's I, I like black licorice. You either love it or you hate it. Right. There's no. no in between. No, yeah. there's no gray area. Nope. And it depends on how much of your soul is left over from previous incarnations when black licorice was candy. Uh, the old goodies. Oh. You remember how they were called? Well, I'm on like, my yeah. last soul, so I'm pretty sure I've experienced it a hundred years. You got a soul? We don't use enough people with souls come on the radio show, so you're welcome. Yeah. Uh, mine is on lease. Um. Yeah, no, it didn't fully wash up. All right, it's interesting. I don't know how many I can drink, but I don't mind going straight to the to the champagne afterwards. Don't be a little bitch, Greg. All right, you're right. <laughs> I got to do what you got to do, it, so shut up. All right, you're right. And I'm the guest, so if I'm doing it, y'all doing it. <laughs> <laughs> if I jump off a cliff, you're damn right you're jumping off the cliff with me. Jesus. <laughs> you just go first, and you I'm right first. behind you, brother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not it. All right. All right, let's try segment two and actually get Carter to talk a little bit. I might suggest you probably might want to lean in a little bit on the microphone to uh, compete with my soft uh, Well, everybody's got this great deep voice, and I'm like, here I am. (laughs) That sounds good. I just smoke a lot of cigarettes and drink really late, yeah. You and and Betty Davis, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's my chick. I just got that. Really, are you a Betty Davis man? She was sexy back in her day. Hell yeah, she was. Hell yeah, she was. And Audrey Hepburn guy. Interestingly, when I was younger, Catherine Hepburn, strangely enough. I don't quite get it. Oh. Again, the transatlantic... Uh, she had bone structure. Thing. She had fucking gorgeous. structure, right? 100%. I, I had a huge... Steel ball was mine. Oh, oh yeah. She was, Natalie she was Wood. too. Nat- Natalie Wood for me, because I grew up uh, a really big fan of Rebel Without a Cause. Really? Yeah. yeah. And I have a thing for redheads. As do I. I got a thing when, you know, chicks that kill themselves with uh, too many pills. <laughs> Has have three of your girlfriends. Strange. Uh, yeah, no, the redheads are red is is nature's warning sign on every level, including redheads themselves, and yet they're just really quite striking. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nothing like porcelain skin. <sighs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm so glad Christine doesn't watch us on Facebook. Oh man. Right. This is why maybe we can't do drinking the style after dark. She wants to tune into that shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to set it up uh, to be password protected like the old porn sites. You have to be something or something. Yeah. Remember that pillow on the uh, sofa in my office and every point that went out to you? It's like this awesome 1950s uh, picture. I showed this one to you, right? Uh-huh. And uh, it's this uh, 1950s model. She's got these huge boobs. And uh, and somebody once came in to me and goes, Jesus, that's that's awesome vintage, man. That's it comes from a time when porn cost money and water was free. 
<laughs> I'm going to use that actually. Uh-huh. Yeah. A, a woman of a certain vintage. Uh, and follow yes. follow with the uh, the next. Catherine, yes, a woman of a certain vintage. All right, let's see if we can get uh, Carter to talk. Good luck. I.e., try to get me to shut the fuck up. (laughs) All right, here we go. Wait, I got to stop on this. Is this off the 1954 album? This one I thought it was, is it not? This is, oh, you're right, Swing, the Great American Songbook. What the fuck? Are you like a Sinatra, like, wow. We're doing Sinatra in 2020. What we're doing is 2020, we are walking through Frank Sinatra's, Sinatra's entire uh, album collection starting in 1950. That? Because I know his sound changed. I can tell Sinatra wow. from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, yeah, 70s. Yeah, he went from being Bing Crosby to being Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Huh. Let's try this. This one, I, I think, that? might be it. I am impressed that you know that. Because I'm a My big Frank Sinatra guy. Much too sad to be told. Excellent. Is this the one? But this sounds much more like it. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, oh shit. Mm-hmm. The more you know, Rainbow just went over my head. <laughs> <laughs> you know booze. You could pick out 16 types of bourbons, I bet. Yeah. I can pick out Frank Sinatra off any... You did that like in four <laughs> seconds as well. <laughs> Do you remember name that tune? I missed yeah, yeah, that show. Oh, yeah, you would have yeah, killed yeah, that for Sinatra. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. People right. who can pick on one note, mm-hmm. impressive. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, no. One note. Bing. The, the, thing I, the thing I love most about that era, it was the microphones they had. It was like this long, yeah. skinny, yeah. and then like a little little bloop on top. It was, yeah. It was the, yeah. the Bob Barker microphone <laughs> yeah, yeah. and the, yeah, yeah. It was stylish. It was phallic. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> depending on... The phalluses you're familiar with, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lean in, Carter. Lean in. Stretch it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shame on drinking the style. And you're not spared anything as a gay man. Sorry. <laughs> I can take it. That's what he said. <laughs> I say what I mean, and I mean what I say. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I am what I am. I'm Popeye. That's great. All right. All right. On that note, here we go. Yeah. Hey, and next time you take a sip, don't take a sip like a little bitch. <laughs> oh, you, were, yeah. you, you were always the first one. You were always the first one done with your shit. You're right. I, I contested this, and you were like, hoorah. Yep. Nope. You're right. I'll take, I'll heap the shame upon me, brother. Heap oh, the shame upon damn me. Damn right. I, I have I have to do Taco Tuesday tonight. So I, I leave this realm, and I go straight fucking tequila agave. Mezcal, Sotol, I want to die. Wow. Yeah, it's you should color all the bottles pink so you can have pink taco Tuesday. <laughs> it, I, I love the idea. I'm on board. See, you're still hurting now from the you're, uh, death now of you're the happy you met me. I gave you a great idea. Pink ta- and, you know, like 10% goes to, uh, pink to, to breast Carter. cancer. Yeah. <laughs> 10% goes to breast cancer. It's better than there the boob yeah, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Pink Taco Tuesdays. <laughs> oh, fuck. Hurry. All right. Here we go. <laughs> My story is much too sad to be told, but practically everything leaves me totally cold. 
The only exception I know is the case When I'm out on a quiet spree Fighting vainly Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Drink in the Style one-hour conversation about art, architecture, design, pretty much anything aesthetic. We're enjoying the sounds of Frank Sinatra here in the year 2020 as we work through his entire body of work starting in 1950. I am your host, Gregory Rich, and my guest today is a fixture in the Minneapolis design community, Mr. Carter Averbeck. All right, Carter, we, you get a chance to talk in this segment. Are you excited? Yay. Woohoo! That's fantastic. Hey, nice. I love the see if I can keep up with you. Yeah, no, I'm drinking death in the afternoon and, and yeah, no. Which means I can keep up with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is so going to descend into some kind of drunken <laughs> rant about the Welsh. It's just unavoidable. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about you, Carter. Let's. Uh, there's so many things we could discuss. Um, I'm not exactly sure where we should start. But I know. I'm a Renaissance man, which you, is hard to describe because Renaissance – people in general were like common before like 21st century it was and it, now we aren't we're like the super chupacabra rarity it's absolutely true now we're in an age of specialization you do one thing that's all you do mm-hmm. and you know it, it comes from a time the renaissance thing i think comes from a time when people thought that maybe they could master everything and know everything and then we realized you can't, and people instead decided to focus endlessly well, not on... not everything, but several things. 100%. But you are indeed a Renaissance man. Mm-hmm. So let's start Let's start with your studio, Homme Forme. Yes. Say it. Homme Forme. Beautiful. The more you say Homme Forme, the more you enjoy saying Homme Forme. Yeah, I wish other people would say that, but they just say Homme Forme. Oh. Which is fine. As long as they call me to do some work, I'm good with it. Is, uh, is that an ox in the grand or an ox in the good? Like over the – that makes the noise. Om, I'm serious. Om for me. Om for me. Right, but it's got, it's got the thing over the – yeah. is it ox in the grand or is it ox in the good? I don't understand. It's, it's, the, it's the thing uh, over the top of the it, – it's at, it's at the end. Okay, yeah. I think it's the ox in the good. <laughs> I, t- I right. took French for a couple years. Really? Yeah. Oh, nice. I can, I can read it, but I don't know what I'm saying. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I, 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 you no know, souffle. That's, that's, that's what I've got. <laughs> it's, it's good. Souffle? But I can sound really, really arrogant. So I'm halfway to speaking French. Oh, well. Tell me about Homme Forme. Um, well, for those of us who aren't Norwegian, <laughs> it is a Norwegian term, and it just means to transform. It's Norwegian. It's not even French. Here we are picking on yeah. the French, and you're well, I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, it's Norwegian word. Om for me to transform. As you can tell by my blonde hair, which I don't have, I'm Norwegian. Wait, you? <laughs> the straight, the straight face. I wasn't sure if he was serious. I was confused. Or not. I'm like, you're like, blonde, but you actually dye your hair brun- brunette. All right, fair enough. You are a man of your – you dance to your own drummer. That's fine. All right. Om Forme, which is now we've learned Norwegian, transformation, and why have you called your studio Om Forme? Because I transform furniture, transform rooms, transform homes, and in essence, you're transforming people's lives. I mean, by doing design work for them. 100%. Making their homes better. 100%. Yeah. So one of your trademark skills as a Renaissance man – is is the recreation of vintage furniture. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. When you and I became friends, when we first started talking, um, you know, you, 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 you were uh, uh, 
at that point, I think, recovering and, and redeveloping uh, furniture, and you were dipping it in... Rubber. In rubber to take <laughs> indoor furniture, vintage indoor furniture, and turn it into usable outdoor furniture. Well, yeah, because I wanted certain Liberace pieces, pieces of furniture to look really cool outdoors without getting ruined. Mm-hmm. So in my weird mind, the best way to do that was like, oh, I'm just going to have it dipped in rubber. Okay, which and, makes sense, theoretically. And then I would have to go through the process of finding somebody who could do that and then convincing them that they should dip my sofas, chairs, tables, and everything in their giant rubber vats. <laughs> and, and sidebar, Michael Douglas crushed Liberace in, in the movie. Yes, he did. Oh, my God. Awesome I, movie. Yeah. I've never seen that. Yeah. Oh, you should see it. Really? What's it called? Liberace. <laughs> yeah. Is it time for a commercial break, Brad? <laughs> and, yeah, Matt, Matt, Matt Damon is co-starring. It, it's actually a really awesome. Actually, movie. I don't watch TV, but I did watch that. Yeah, no, I, I outstanding, outstanding movie. I'm actually uh, a, a huge fan of of him because of that movie. I didn't really have any, any background on him. Interesting. I wasn't old enough. It. Uh, I mean, I started with. I uh, remember uh, Bugs Bunny cartoons used to used to reference Liberace. You know, I wish my brother George oh, yeah. was here when he was doing it. Um. I don't know how we got off on that. I want to talk more about furniture. Yeah. So you reclaimed the – so you take vintage pieces. I take vintage pieces. I mean basically what I am is a sustainable interior designer. <clears throat> okay. So, you know, that doesn't mean anything to most people until I tell them exactly what it is. And basically I know that most furniture that you see in big box stores are just a regurgitation or a replication of something they saw – 25 to 30 years beforehand. Mm-hmm. Well, I collect those pieces and I reimagine them and I turn them into works of art, not only just to get into the homes of people, but I've been lucky enough to um, have people who own some major galleries call me up and say, hey, we know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. We want, we've, we've never had furniture as art in our galleries and we want to showcase you. Mm-hmm. So do you like actually? Office. Is it? Can you sit? Um, sit oh yeah, you can sit. I mean, you can do anything you. you okay, all right. I, I didn't know if it was like, hey, this is this chair is for show only. No, you sit on it, you're it, done. That's I'm, your grandmother. Okay, <laughs> put <laughs> but, in plastic. Take the plastic for, off. Yeah. For me, it's 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 literally about two things. How do you save furniture from a landfill that's that's really well made compared to what you find nowadays? Because mm-hmm. we all – well, we don't all know about fast furniture, but fast furniture exists. It's crap that lasts for three to five years and then it goes into a landfill. Because I think the word, the word you're looking for is Ikea. <laughs> well, Ikea is a bit of it, but Ikea uh, – sort of like knows who they are yeah. mm-hmm. but a lot of companies mask that and say that they're fantastic when they really aren't right restoration um, hardware <laughs> yeah. well I didn't hear that at all was that subliminal did that they're work as a subliminal now. oh yeah you're right you're right you're right no. but but the but the thing is is that there's you know I pick a furniture from a time period where they really actually paid attention to craftsmanship mm-hmm. and that's just like giving a new hairstyle you just change it out you make it absolutely spectacular and then it's something that isn't off a mass production line. Mm-hmm. It's something that's tailored to what you want or what you like. You know, So if you're looking for a red sofa and you can't find it anywhere or anything you like because there's a style that you like from the 1940s, 50s, or 60s, mm-hmm. I probably have the furniture and all I need to do is reupholster it to mm-hmm. make you happy. Well, yeah. as I can attest to you is like every – 
furniture piece that I moved for uh, any of my grandparents over the years, they built stuff to last back then. Yes, they did. So, like, I totally get what you're saying. You know, like, you, and it was built by someone, right? It didn't just come off some kind of, you know, a an assembly line where legs, yeah. springs, blood, blood, sweat, and tears put, put were put in. Oh, I have furniture where people have signed their name on it. Really? Yeah, That's it's, cool. it's amazing. That's pretty cool. And you know, it's going to last a century or more. Yeah. Hundred percent, and it's more than, and also, I mean, you do the reupholstering, you know, and the and the covers, but then you also do a huge transformation to the pieces in many cases as well. Yeah, I don't just turn it into something beige. No. Okay. <laughs> well said. And and you know, a lot of people want that safety net. I'm sorry to say, I don't give that kind of safety net. I really turn it into a. a, a a unique piece of art, you know, something that's a statement piece. So half the time, if, you, if you're looking for something really interesting and all you go and see is beige, gray, or taupe, you know, coming to me, you know you're not going to get that. You're going to get something no. that you really want. You've got to know, You've yeah, you you got to, you got to, don't be a pushover with, uh, with Carter. He will not allow... You will have something extraordinary. We're going to take a really quick break, and then we're going to continue this conversation because this is some interesting stuff. Stick with us. All right. We ran a little bit over. We'll cut the it off. First the time right. that's happened. All right. I know. Well, <laughs> and it wasn't Greg. <laughs> no, I know, right? What the fuck are the odds? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's all right. We'll just take thirty. You know, my hey, biggest. Check up your support. fucking drinks and let's go. Come on. All right. My biggest support wow. is uh, millennials. I believe it, 100%. Ooh, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. It's a dirty you word. You don't mind if we just go off the script, right? It's a dirty word. We often do. Millennials is not a dirty word. Mm. It depends on where you're speaking from. Well, you know, They're going to save our Gen X answers. isn't a dirty word, and neither is baby boomers. I mean, okay, boomer. I fucking hate that shit. I <laughs> like it. Where, that, where did that come from? It's some stupid meme, and like when you say it, you feel power empowered. Like, so okay, the boomer. Meme that yeah. I think is hilarious is that woman who is screaming. <laughs> oh, the cat? And the, and cat. the cat? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've seen, you I've seen a million things. Oh, God. Crushing no. it. No, fuck My the other boomers. favorite one is the one with Donald Trump with Greta Thunberg in the back, and she's giving him <laughs> yeah. yeah, eyes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, as she should. <laughs> No, the OK Boomer thing. I mean, the boomers, I mean, it's individuals. I have no issue with anyone. I mean, it doesn't matter. I'll take anyone as an an individual and give you the benefit of the doubt. Are you a Gen Xer? I am. I am. I'm the very beginning. What year were you born? 66. So, yeah, you are. Yeah, because it would be 21 years. So, yeah, you were the first first Gen Xer. Mm -hmm. I was 71. Okay. So I'm right in the heart of, of Gen X. You're just powering through this shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the boomers are. I call them. Do you remember? Do you remember what I call the boomers? Locust generation. They are. They're the fucking locust generation. They consumed everything, no, wrong, leaving exactly. nothing in their wake but mm-hmm. death and desolation. <laughs> I do, as a generation, find them Gen vile. Xers kind of did that in the beginning, but... We were then became way too um, cynical near the middle, and you guys are the in-between generation right now. So you have we no had skin in the hey, with Time no Magazine, yeah. we what was it? News, was it Time Magazine that we were the yes. forgotten generation? Like they yeah. talked about the boomers, yeah. and then they talked about the millennials, and the Gen Ys, and all that's only until you're and we're just like. Yeah. Holy fuck, you know, the Gen Xers were the ones that we didn't develop the internet, but we sure as hell made it something spectacular. What Why do I hear a bizarre thinking? Oh, all right. Probably my fucking phone. Can you, it's oh, probably yeah, in my it. pocket. Yeah. 
front pocket there. Well, the, the Gen Xers, we had no hope. We had nothing. I mean, we, we couldn't stand up against well, the boomers. We were they were Brady. our parents, and we Something were, yes. You ever see that card it's that Jen Hallmark? Brady. We were the middle one. Hallmark put out a card that I once saw. Happy belated middle child day. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's like getting a it's like getting a participation ribbon. It is. Like thanks for showing up, you fucking loser. Did I ever show you my best camper ribbon? <laughs> I yeah. had it framed. Fucking loser. <laughs> it's gotta be. All right. I don't think I've seen that. Well, that's my ring. Yeah, the Xers had no hope. I mean, we 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 were outnumbered by the Boomers, and they were our parents. How can you possibly? All right, I'm gonna bury this absent. I'm also gonna. Oh yeah, I found your phone. Oh. But first, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign your book, Carter, because you don't want me to, and I'm going to anyway. He does have pretty handwriting. Yeah, it was me. Yeah, you know. And by the way, I'm a little bit a little bit pissed off. So the whole plan was to make the book and we'll sell it at Mill Valley. Everybody's like, oh, the book's great. But when I was like, yeah, so we're going to retail. And they were kind of like, no, nobody was nobody was cool. Like, nobody was, was on board. Mm. So I said, fuck you guys. I'll just buy the books myself and eat my ass. Mm-hmm. Eat my ass. Take a shower first. Oh, you know. Take a shower first or eat my ass? No, take a shower before. No, no, you said you could ass. probably do it here. <laughs> We have standards around here. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of your guest. You have to allow me to autograph the book. Yeah, no, that is uh, that is too bad because I did give uh, give some solid mercy, uh, uh, et cetera. I mean, it's not that we won't promote it. In, it was at Mill Valley. Mm-hmm. Like they're 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 super weird over there. there there's some uh, some power struggles that sometimes I got to throw my proverbial dick. So at the table. you know, I did work on Jean George. I did work on D'Amico Kitchens, and I did work on the Mill one. So you're, familiar, Millville, like, you're, you're familiar with in that space. The only time I didn't do any work at all was when Mercy moved in. <laughs> well, well Mercy was that, sa- same as Marin. Yeah, but my my work is still in the lower level. What what work? The library. The library, and the and that room, uh, that private room where you've got the giant tables yep. to sit at. Yep. So the plaster work and all there, all of that is me. And oh, the shit. library is, I worked with Shay Architects with all yeah, of no. the furniture. Yeah, no, Shay Design is great. We hosted their holiday party. I got a really funny story, but I can't tell them on the I've air. worked with Shay for 15 years Yeah, as a as an independent. Like, oh, yeah, wait. They've just... asked me to be a part of their group, and I'm like, no, I'm going to be an independent, but I've worked with them. Yeah, Amanda Gray that was on the show, she started She started with them, and she designed uh, Oh, yeah, Mill I Valley. know Amanda. Yeah, of yeah, course. I've worked with Amanda. Of course. Plenty of, um, plenty of projects. She's cool. Yeah, she's awesome. She's super awesome. Thumbs up to Amanda. Yeah, so, I mean, I know that space in in and out. The only time I didn't do any design work or any, you know, plaster work or artwork or mural work was when Mercy moved in on the the first floor. Somebody else did all that mural work. Yeah, no, she – I was just like, fuck, man, how come they didn't call me? And then I was going to call up Ralph Burnett, and I'm like, you asshole, how come you you didn't, you know, get me to that project? It's a good question. And Bur- you didn't call him? Burnett was pretty much hands-off on that situation. Yeah, he's hands-off on a lot of stuff. Yeah, he is the money man. Good for him. More power to you. <laughs> All right, so this time we're going spiced apple. Man, I'm a little fucking drunk. Spiced apple. We're going spiced apple and vanilla. God, it looks like I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. <laughs> oh, that smells good. Yeah, fuck you guys. Uh, it's Madagascar oh. vanilla bean. It's legit vanilla. Of course it's Madagascar. No, I'm saying it's not like extract. It's, I have the actual beans. 
My, my old weed guy turned oh, into a fucking uh, dealer. Cheers. Go fuck yourselves. The radio show may or may not work out for you, but the drinking is fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Salute, everyone. Yeah, cheers. Cheers, boys. Cheers to Madagascar oh, and sure. apples. I'm already feeling better about the vanilla. Oh, yeah? yeah. I bet you're already feeling better about the... Uh, Everything? Yeah. Oh, I like this better, yeah. Oh, Spice Devil's better. Oh, this makes... Way better. Way oh, big yeah. difference. That's why I kind of brought a menagerie, like... Oh, we're fine. I wasn't sure which way to go, but... This was the way. So I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna have yeah. to, I'm gonna have to steal that from you. Oh, of course, I'll the apple the thing. Yeah, spiced apple vinegar by my friends at Dashwire. Awesome shit. That's you good. Can, I encourage you, you, you to use Newkirk endlessly. If you, uh, if you want to take that home, cheers. Oh, cool. Hmm. Supposed to be gone in a week. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. I'm a professional. <laughs> You're fucking so right. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Thank you. Of course, man. Yeah. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. All right. I think this is going delightfully. Delightfully. No, I'm at still. Fuck you. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck her back. I might have to take advantage of that pre-recorded segment. I was planning on being incredibly beige during this whole yeah. thing. Okay. All right, real quick. I'm, I'm failing. You. Yeah. So I have your bottle of bourbon. But, oh, yeah. But uh, the, the best of thing... Um, I, I might have been uh, misunderstanding of the situation, but um, the, the first the first best of we got it was a little bit boring. Well, it was that was yeah. It was intentionally put that way. Yeah. Okay. We were just looking for the deep comments. Yeah, I want to turn up the fucking volume. Oh yeah. If yeah, we can, yeah, which we talked about. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Listen, cool. You got to start at room temperature and then go up from Next there. <laughs> does your Does your penis touch your asshole? I wish. Well. <laughs> I, I, damn it! I wanted to tell you to go fuck yourself, but I can't. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, if we if we can get a little more racy, like I'm still getting the oh, bottle. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want I want to turn up the volume because yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I'm I'm kind of a, a I mean I'm, I'm a, no no I'm just I'm a I'm a crass right? asshole. That like, isn't the truth. And so I mean, see, hey. we should highlight that. No, exactly. That's so fun. Yeah, that was the oh, truth for a lot of guys. There would be no need for. <laughs> it's yeah, no, no, no. I... We still <laughs> shouldn't we be doing still another like tacos. Some of us still like pink tacos. God damn it! I gave you a great idea with that. <laughs> Actually, it was already done. So there's this little shithole uh, taco place in Milwaukee by my buddy's place, and uh, I have I have pictures I can show you later. There's 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 so many versions of vaginas and like outside there's like this spindle and it's like this big thing it's obviously a, a vagine and it's just it just hangs in the wind and blows in the wind and uh, <laughs> like i can't leave only wizard? in milwaukee could that shit fucking exist because because is there a jewish version of that with a dreidel oh god <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your dreidel and I raise you on foreskin. Get the fuck out of here. I'm sorry. I'll be more beige. Hold on. Give me a second. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, segment three is going to be great. <laughs> Two more segments. Can't wait for segment four. Holy uh, fuck. I hope you wrote something because that'll be fun. Trying to Honestly, I don't know. I did. I did a and little pitch for the... Uh, like yeah, well, fuck you. Uh, fuck you very much, because now they don't taste so bad. What are you uh, pitching on the fourth one? 
I've never, uh, I've never really, I've never really manipulated oh, absinthe yeah. before. Although I, I, I don't like it. And Alan Purist were like, yeah, yeah, yeah but this is fantastic. Yeah, but I, yeah. I like the There's drip no over the sugar cube because sugar, so sugar kind of helps out a little bit too. But I'm not a huge fan of sugar. So like, I definitely think this has a place in my brunch menu. I drink thing. I I drink absinthe straight. Yeah, but that's because I love anise and black licorice and all. But but don't give me like you love anise. Tell me though, like the 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 vanilla. The vanilla really kind of like smile. got the sensories going, and the spiced apple kind of. Well, it's the apple for me. Right, but no, but the nose. I, I love the vanilla because it tricks you. You think you're going to get vanilla, but it's not there at all. It's right up my alley. That's a great yeah, one. no, I think I think I like to trick people and this, give this, something different. Like this has a brunch menu cocktail, like 100. percent Like I, I'm actually going to probably put this on the menu. Dude, I adore you. You are. Ne- I, I, I was going to say you're never going to have me on fucking, this No, again. I fucking love you. You are so inappropriate. I just adore it. You fit right in with the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no shit. I am not inappropriate. I, I'll tell you one thing about, and I have this very strong sort of like feeling about political correctness. Mm. And it's it's pretty much this. Political correctness is the worst substitute for good manners. Amen. Period. Beautifully said. I want to write that down. Period. It's basically, yeah, whatever you want your mom like, to hear. Don't piss off other people by telling them they're less than you or, you know, anything like that. You can have fun with all kinds of subjects. You can sit there and have comedy about all kinds of off-brand, you know, know, things. But if it's in good fun and you're not really – you're not really wanting to hurt anybody. Know your audience. Know your audience. It's like an obvious thing. Do it. Yeah. No, you're right. Do it. You can totally tell when people have – the mean spirited feel about it. Right. Yeah, yeah, like, if, you, if you're just a fucking asshole, yeah, exactly. eat a dick. Dave Chappelle, I love to death because he can 100%, do it like nobody 100%. Does. Six and Stones? Oh, man, that oh, shit was God. epic. Yeah. Epic. Oh, my God. Like Chris Rock, to some degree, can kind of do it, but then he, he gets worried about himself. He gets a little cookie cutter Yeah. with age, but Dave Chappelle gets edgier with age. It's oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. And he's so love clever it. about it. He's so love clever it. about it. So any so comic who can do that is yeah. amazing to me. Political correctness... Yeah, is just a terrible substitute for good manners. Yes. That's going to become people a quote. Don't I'm dumping know good the manners. Hemingway quote at the hey. end, and I'm quoting you. People don't know good manners anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. Pass, please and thank you. Mm-hmm. And so they, they figure out how to do it through political correctness, which is just f- fucking dysfunctional beyond belief. 100%. Without doubt, it's the reason Donald Trump is president, is oh, political God. correctness. Although, interestingly enough, I wrote a paper on this in grad school. Um, of course, it was you did. A small thing. No. Political <laughs> correctness was originally a right wing uh, and not a left wing effort. Um, yeah, because people were still thumping Bibles that wanted you to live a certain way. Exactly. I right. get it. I get it's it. about control. Yeah, yeah it was. It yeah. absolutely was. 100%. It absolutely 100%. was. And then somehow the left like engaged in it, sunk their teeth into it, and became branded with it as thought police. Yeah. It's tragic. <laughs> I'm offended. You, sir, are offensive. I'm offended that you have two eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Look at you with yeah. your eyes. <laughs> <sighs> right. People are so easily offended now because they don't know how to think anymore. Well, that's just it. It's like I was told to be offended by this, so I should be – fuck you. Yeah, no, I'm not on board with that train. No. No. I mean, for love of God, I love Mel Brooks, Monty Python, true humor, which would bring us together in that So much, like now in 2020, the political incorrectness of that is off the charts. 
Unimaginable. God damn but you, Barbara hilarious. Walters. It's, it's, it's hilarious as it's, it's tragic. It's just yeah. tragic. I don't know what the hell we're going to do. We're all so fucked. I'm never drinking absinthe again. This is fucked. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> we're about to enter the age of Carter. Because you're having fun now. All right. No, this is the jam, though. This, right? This we got work to do, Johnson. We, we, got, we got work to do in here, yes. As I said, I need to live oh, my way it's one thir- It's 140? Or 120? 120, yeah. You okay. have to do a show at two. I don't uh, think he's doing the show anymore. <laughs> Actually, no, we'll struggle. It's going to be the best show ever. Yes, it will. <laughs> All right, I might on. make you guys stick around for that. Let's power our way through uh, segment three and then into segment four. Yes, exactly. Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to stick to this, too. It was winter in Manhattan, falling snowflakes filled the air. The streets were covered with a film of ice. But a little Welcome back to Drinking the Style Sundays at 5 p.m. and now Saturdays at 7 p.m. Uh, right here on AM 950 in Minneapolis, Minnesota, available as a streamer podcast, Drink in the Style. You can check all that out. Before we get back to Carter, a note on today's musical selection. Tracks are off of Frank Sinatra's 1954 Young Lovers studio album. A solid album, not one of my favorites ever. It had a transitional period between, as Carter, you've pointed out, when Sinatra was kind of a Bing Crosby-esque crooner and before he fully blossomed into a stylist and a swinging creator of stylized music. But let me ask you, are you a Sinatra fan? I love Frank Sinatra. Hmm. Actually, I love it when he was trying to stylize after Bing Crosby and also when he found himself. I love that evolution Mm -hmm. because anybody who is creative – Truly creative loves to watch people who they are inspired by also evolve, which hi- highlights to my way. Oh yeah, yeah. culminates. Yeah, that, in that's, my way. that's when it happens. Which actually he did not like as a song. Of course he didn't, because he was an artist. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? A lot. A lot of artists are very hard on themselves. Uh, uh, yeah. Hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> not going there. Yeah. No, Sinatra. You're 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 a Sinatra fan. We've learned oh, this totally. over the discussion. Yeah. And uh, it's it's absolutely true. I mean, he was a crooner. He was he was the Justin Bieber of his day. Ugh. At the early point, he was he was. Well, actually, even at the early point, he wasn't the Justin Bieber of his day. Tell me. Um, he because that was a different generation than what we have now. So Justin Bieber came up as a child prodigy that was more associated with Michael Jackson than something that Frank Sinatra would ever do. So Michael Jackson had this amazing sort of like uh, interpretation of how to sing a song that was so different than his brothers and their abhorrent father Mm -hmm. 
figured it out because at least his father was smart enough to realize when opportunity exists Mm -hmm. and went, oh, my God, we're going to take this seven-year-old and we're going to turn him into something amazing, which he did. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, fair enough. I mean, yeah, there's there's a certain amount of credit. But when I talk about Justin Bieber of his day, what I'm saying is that Sinatra in the 1930s, you know, when he made the the trip from Hoboken, New Jersey, across the river into New York and suddenly became kind of a crooner as a, a junior version of Bing Crosby, copying, crib noting, if you will, his style and his tones. He was he was an unpopular figure in the sense that he seemed like he was not creating anything original. And he could have simply been passed over at a certain point, except that at a certain point he developed his own sense of self. Well, it's like Georgia O'Keeffe who copied, you know, other artists and went, Oh my God, this is stupid. I'm gonna do my own thing now that I know how to now now that I know how the skills Mm-hmm. To do this kind of work, mm-hmm. I'm going to do my own thing, which means he was or she was following the Picasso theory of learn your craft really well, mm-hmm. and then you have the ability to find your own voice. All right, so you just opened the door on, on my key question <laughs> that I give to artists. We've had a number of really fabulous artists on the program, and I'm so proud of that. Here's my question to you as an artist. Do you need to master realism before you can branch into creative art? Do you have to be a Rembrandt before you can be a Picasso? You have to master your own personal limits of your skill and even beyond. Know know thyself, yeah. Exactly. Know thyself before you go somewhere forward. And the way that I can express that is Kandinsky. So Kandinsky trying to be a real artist, except that he fucking sucked at it. <laughs> he sucked Don't at it. Don't let me spit take my death in the afternoon. <laughs> so, I mean, he and, – and, and the brilliance of him is that he knew it. Mm-hmm. But then he figured out how to develop something that hadn't happened before. And so he became the father of avant guard art because he at least he knew what his skill set was and he knew how to brand that in the early 20th century Mm -hmm. really well Mm -hmm. and he became who he was as a father of avant-garde art in russia of Mm -hmm. all places Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the most repressive and regressive of states yeah so you're saying, no, you do not have to master realism to express yourself. But no, you do have to try. You do have to try in, in, in the form of Picasso or many other artists, including myself. I mean, I'm a trained fresco artist. By the way, folks, if you, if you can check out some of Carter's work, the murals, the art creations, some fabulous stuff. I mean, you do awesome stuff. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. But I trained over in Europe. Right. So, I mean, I know how to make artwork out of like chicken eggs and beer and, you know, all the ingredients they <laughs> it's use. It's like voodoo. Yeah. All the ingredients Just they mix, used, mix you know, a couple of centuries ago. Yeah. And so when I would go into people's homes and I would be using these natural ingredients, they would sit there and film me or photograph me because I was creating artwork out of like 
something other than acrylic paint or oil paint that you can buy at a grocery store, mm-hmm. right? Oh. Okay, I have, I have to I have to cut in real quick because um, we're all we're all party to this. Mm-hmm. I recommend any of our listeners that listen on uh, AM nine fifty on either Saturday or Sunday log on to Facebook Live. And watch, watch the show. The amount of hand talking that goes on at this table is ridiculous. I don't know what Every single about. one of us I are doing no things. Idea what We're you're all doing about. things. The hand talking it just it just tickles me pink. It's enough to to throw a deaf person into an epileptic seizure. I mean, there's so much hand talking going on. But and I'm know, a when I, as when well. I, 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 you know, I came from Cornish Institute where I got a uh, fine arts degree, and then. I submitted my portfolio to a fresco master over in Europe, and I thought, I'm never going to get in because my my portfolio sucks, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I thought, yeah, fine, I'm going to submit, but I'm never going to get anywhere. And then I got accepted, right, into this, this program over in Barcelona, Spain. And I thought, oh, my God, they're going to think of me as a fraud, Right, mm-hmm. like I, I don't know what I'm doing here, mm-hmm. and and the whole point was is that he looked at my portfolio and he thought, oh, this person's dedicated. He's got potential. He he saw a bigger picture than what I was saying at the time, and so I went over to Barcelona, Spain, and I learned the art of fresco painting. And I thought, this is crazy. What the hell am I doing? Learning the art, learning an ancient art. That isn't practiced anymore. And I'm sorry, I, I have no idea what fresco is. Michelangelo. Ah, heard painting it. large images, large paintings on walls, ceilings. Hence, the mur- muralism. Structure muralism. is, yeah. your, is okay. your canvas. Thank you. Thank you. And 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 I thought, how am I even going to uh, apply this in the 20th century? What the hell am I going to do with this degree? And, you know, fine art and muralism. Am I crazy? Mm -hmm. And then I went back to the United States and I thought, okay, I'm going to work in theater. Mm -hmm. I'm going to paint backdrops for theater and then I'm going to use my expertise and, and, uh, you know, quotation marks. Air quotes. Air quotes. (laughs) Hand talking. That that is going to, like, come about. And it did. Mm-hmm. And what I found out is that historical restoration work um, and, and, and people who wanted really unusual you know, murals by people using old world techniques still exist. Which is a fabulous, fabulous segue into your Staples, Minnesota project. Oh, yeah. Holy crap. All right. So you are doing a restoration of an opera house in Staples, Minnesota, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Tell us all about this. You were mentioning this was a time capsule that now you are that you are restoring and recreating. Give us the deets. So how I even got the project is I own a loft in downtown Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And it's that old school New York loft. It's not one of the fancy, super expensive lofts. It's... It's old school. It's the stuff you see in movies. Uh, Certainly not the stuff you pay for now, but the Mm -hmm. stuff you see in movies. And I used to host these big events where like 100, 200 people would come to my loft and see, uh, let's say, something on breast cancer, which is what 
uh, happened at this time where I met a woman named Colleen who um, went through breast cancer, agreed to do a photograph of herself with her mastectomy mm -hmm. with these amazing photographers. Mm -hmm. And um, it was showcased in my place to raise money for breast cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, the event was called Of Scars, and it would show the scars of women who had gone through a mastectomy. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I asked the photographers if I should take down a mural on a piece of canvas that I was working on. And they said, no, your place is really cool. Let's just keep it as is. So we had the event, and the woman who was the star of the damn show looked at my mural, and she came up to me, and she said, I have this opera house in Staples, Minnesota, which I had no idea where Staples was. I was going to ask, where the hell is Staples? It's but... two and a half hours away from here. You can consider it the Hamptons of Minnesota. Northeast, south or what? The Hamptons North. of North. Minnesota. Yeah. Hmm. So it's where the lumber barons built their, in air quotes, mansions. <laughs> really? <laughs> You know, summer homes, which really are like 10,000 square foot mansions. Mm -hmm. The breakers. And um, at the time in the early 20th century, Staples was the cultural center of Minnesota. Cultural center? Yes. Ugh. I am not kidding. Four opera houses. Yeah. Like sophistication beyond belief. And right. then um, the depression of the 1930s killed it. But at the time... It was amazing, and I met this woman, and she really gave me a new lease on life, and that was creating murals and doing restoration work Within for that her space. opera house. Yes. All right. We got to take a break, but we're going to come back. We're going to keep talking about the Staples Opera House restoration because it's totally cool. Stick with us, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry. I didn't yeah. warn you about the uh, the time ticking down, but I want to know more because, I mean, we yeah. talked about the, the whole entry into the time capsule. She watched me for for eight years, and she saw how I did all of these church restorations. Mm -hmm. She saw how I did hotel transformations, and she kept on asking who did the work, and my name kept coming up. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. finally, it was just like, I met this guy eight years ago. Fuck, I'm just going to use them. So the Staples restoration is is a big deal in the state. There's state money. There's half the... Let's put it this way. There's only 13 opera houses of this style in the country. Okay. And it's the Staples? It's like they... There's an opera house still operating in Staples? Yeah. There was four, and now there's one. What the fuck? And it's like they left in 1913 and never opened up again. So everything is a time warp. Yeah, but, but here's the thing. It's like, uh, you know, members only kind of thing. Because if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I've never heard of it. But nobody is. And I, I go straight north. <laughs> you know All right. Should we just power through yeah. segment four here? Trying to get nervous, are you? We started at noon. Jesus. Shot, right? shot. Oh, yeah, All yeah. right. I'm ready. Yep. All right. Here we go, guys. <laughs> Is this the wrong one, Greg? It is. It's the wrong recording. Yeah, yeah, it's no, the I, wrong recording. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yep. One must be true to the... Let me try this one.
Yeah, that's just a bad version of yeah, the yeah. other tinny. one. Try this one. Yeah. That's not it either. All right, let's the see. The first what we got one here. is actually really pretty good comparatively. Oh, it is. It's much better. He got much better in the uh, late fifties, early sixties. But it's not. But we'll let it go. Well, it's got to be out here. Let me try a couple more of these. Nope, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> the Mickey Blue Eyes. Is still oh, that's over. from the first Ooh. one. Was really good. That one you just hit sounded. Uh, yeah, let me see if I can find the uh, studio version where we'll only have thirty seconds of it, but. No need. Yep. I have the complete chronicles of Frank Sinatra. Yep. Uh, everything, and capital years, everything, reprise, including yes, and yeah, I also have that of Aretha Franklin. Oh wow! Oh damn! Impressive. Are you guys so. having a bromance right now? Yeah, we are. <laughs> Los Knox. <laughs> the, the gay straight, the straight gay. All right. <laughs> Hand talking, commence. Yeah, fuck. No, I love authentic music. Oh, I agree. Uh, I 100% agree. Yeah. All right. No question about it. All right. Throw anything you want on it. For the love of God, I have to get to work. Yes. Uh, really, bro. I don't. I do. Really, bro. Financially, so fucking horrible. Oh, my God, I have so much work to do. You have no idea. Oh, you, you don't. You do. Sorry. No. Fuckery. Yeah, I don't work at all. Yeah. Just, no, you work out. your ass off. I, I just hang it. out and masturbate all the time. <laughs> yeah, we are so good at it. <laughs> <laughs> do what you love. You never work a day in your life. Both hands are just one. Just one. The other hand's got to cup the balls, bro. Sorry. Yep, I said it. I'm, I'm switch, the air. You switch off? No, I'm not a switch hitter. I don't want a stranger fucking going with my eighteen. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Nobody loves right. me more than me. I'm equal opportunity. <laughs> All, right. All right. All right. That one's not it either. Yeah, I don't know. Just play the original. That was great. It's fine. We'll allow it. Okay. The second one. Yeah, they do not have this anywhere on YouTube right now, unfortunately. All right. Here we go. Welcome back. Ooh, that went badly. Welcome back to Drinking the Style. Uh, we've been speaking with Carter Averbeck from Omforme. The more you say it, the more you enjoy saying it. Yeah. Right? Johnson, hit us with an Omforme. Omforme, yes. Nice. 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 All right. Um, before we get into anything else, Carter, you do amazing stuff. You have some gorgeous pictures, these renaissance murals that you've done on Instagram that are posted and things. Tell everybody how they can check out the awesomeness that is Carter Everbeck. Well, Instagram for one. Okay. Uh, just follow me at Omforme, which is O-M-F-O-R-M-E. O-M-F-O-R-M-E. That's Om it. Form. Um, and... Um, yeah, I think it's crazy that I've been able to create an entire career <laughs> literally off of doing art and design. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, case in point with this opera house, I mean, I met a woman who um, influenced my entire life in the past year and a half. 
basically because I met her for 10 minutes at a function I was having at my own loft. Mm-hmm. And there was a portrait of her with her scars from her um, breast augmentation during uh, for breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And she was intently looking at a mural that I was painting for a client at my house. And we started talking about the mural, and I, you know, it, it sounds trite, but, you know, because I paint murals on a regular basis, to me it's nothing special. And I forget that it's special to other people. Mm-hmm. And so she loved what I was doing. And apparently she never forgot it. So for the eight years in between her calling me, she remembered what I did. And she kept on going around to different churches and government buildings and other places where I had done resuscitation of mural work or historical work. And my name came up so much that finally she called me eight years later and said, I want you to do my opera house. Turns out it's one of 13 opera houses in the country of its kind. It's one where the the Bavarian mural work that's there and the fresco work that's there has been there since the beginning, since 1907. It hasn't been changed, altered, painted over, any of the stuff that normally would happen to historical buildings. So the place was shut down in, like, what year? Uh, Mid-1930s. During the major part of the Depression. Okay. So the Depression era shuts down the Staples Opera House. Mm-hmm. Everything gets locked in time yep. through that period. And now it comes in, and it's a state project that they're trying to do the restoration on. Oh, yeah. And you are asked to do the full restoration of the space. Yes. And and the story behind that is she called me up, and she said, I want you to do the restoration work. Um, I need you to come up and do an assessment of the building. And I said, okay, I'll do that. And I drove the two and a half hours to get to Staples, Minnesota from Minnesota, which really isn't very long, to tell you the truth. It's kind of like going to the Hamptons, right? It's not long. Well, depending on where you're leaving from, but New York to yeah. the Hampton, Hamptons is, what, an hour and a half? Yeah. hour and a okay. half. It's around there. So – I get there, and there's a whole line of people waiting there. I don't know who the hell they are, but I'm asked to do an assessment of the building. So I go around. I look at everything, and I realize early 20th century, mm, Bavarian painting. They clearly only had one good artist doing the secofresco work, and everybody else was just sort of like farmhands or whoever who volunteered to. Like, seriously, within the space, you think yeah. the opera house was done by farmhands? Oh, there's a portion of it, yes. Okay. Yeah, because there's a lot of um, stencil work within the opera house itself. Hmm. It doesn't involve the main fresco panels that were painted. And, and and I saw that, and I realized that. And it's, a, it's about understanding those aspects of what happened in time. So I came back to this line of people who I had no idea who they were. And, and, I, and I, I tend to be a very honest person, so I don't candy coat things. And I said, okay, this was the grand 
Opera House for the time, for this area. It certainly has amazing acoustics beyond belief, beyond anything we have in the Twin Cities. But the artwork was done by locals. Mm-hmm. And one really decent fresco painter. Mm-hmm. And then I, I extrapolated on that, and they looked at me sort of like in horror and awe. And the owner of the building came up to me and said, congratulations, you told the entire history of the building without (laughs) even knowing anything about it. Mm. You're hired. I don't care what anybody on the board thinks. Hey, not going to lie. At O-M-F-O-R-M-E, your Instagram is dope as hell. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. No, I was (laughs) – I I sat back and just chilled. I was like, let me check this out. Uh, Man, that's crazy. And and I I love the way you do the – the, the multiple scenes where you can hit the picture and you can hone in on one spot, but you, you put it as one portrait. Now you're, you're pretty good, bro. You're pretty good. Thank you. No, that's, that's gnarly. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Dan enjoying Instagram. While Carter Honestly, I'm not even, talking. No, it's yeah, true. He's, a, he's, 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 crazy. he's no, absolutely no, beautiful. Awesome, I mean, man. you do art. That's, you're an artist, but, it, it, but it's, it's really cool stuff. Your, your, your repurposed furniture. I mean, it, it's sexy. Uh, it's it's got well, contour. It's got make, class. I have to make that furniture look good for millennials. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I have to make it look good for Gen Xers who feel like they want to be part of like the here and now. Yeah, man, you're knocking out of the park. And some of those where you have like your furniture in front of murals that you've also done, like that's that's awesome, man. It's really cool stuff. Well, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. It, it it is. So yeah, all right. So have you? Are you putting Staples uh, Opera House pictures up? Are you? Are you doing the? Wait, are you walking us through the restoration of I, the space? I am. We got, we got, and, and I'm doing it slowly because we have to deal with um, public f- or uh, uh, funding from the state. Mm. So we've got public funding available, right? Meaning people who want to donate. Did it to pass? Because wasn't it just recently voted upon whether they would? Well, right now it's still in the voting process. Um, but our, <gasps> should we our, should we rally people to call their representatives to support yes. the Staple House? Yeah, please do because it's another part of making Minnesota cool. Mm-hmm. You know, and we already think we're cool, but this is another version of cool that we can add on top of it. So. The governor of – we asked for $8 million in state bonds. Mm-hmm. That's an insane number to ask for for a $16 million renovation, which we can only ask for half of it mm-hmm. uh, legally. Mm-hmm. So um, that doesn't mean that the governor and the state legislature is going to say, oh, yeah, we think you're worth it. <laughs> you know, they're not going to do that, right? They're going to look at it objectively and see where they want to place the money to help the state of Minnesota. Of course. Well, the governor recently, in about two weeks ago, said, oh, yeah, this is worth everything they're asking for. Mm-hmm. Everything. This will take a blighted area and make it a jewel in the state. And anything anything promotes tourism and destination locations oh. like yeah. And this is a destination like nobody's yeah. business. It, it's it's already on my list now. Like I have no idea what you're talking about, but I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I mean it's <laughs> Should we do a trip? One of oh, the one man. of the uh uh Senator Gazelka walked in 
And and within less than three seconds, he went, oh, my God, this is the Sistine Chapel in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. This is the amount of culture we had here that we've been ignoring for decades. That's awesome. So the robber barons tried to create a destination, a point of, of civilization in the wilderness. Because no offense to Staples, but folks here in the wilderness. Well, they didn't Especially have then. they didn't have Netflix in 1907. <laughs> no chill, no Netflix. You went out to an event and you experienced life. And interacted with people? No way. No way. And you can still do that today in 2020. Wow. So what is the plan for the for the location now? What are they going to use once the restoration is completed? What does this opera house – because I I don't want to offend you, but opera is not that popular anymore. Well, it's not about opera anymore. It's about a destination spot for all kinds of performance venues. Live performance. So it could be a rock band. It could be an opera. It could be a theater performance. It could be a local performance. Apparently – well, not apparently. It is – it is documented that Staples has one of the best choirs in the state, and I've experienced it, and they really do. Hmm. That choir is beyond amazing. So you're taking the opera house, turning it into a multi-use venue that yes. is still true to its nature. Yes. That that's field trip worthy. I think we should really discuss this. Actually. I agree. Yeah. No, that sounds amazing. You should come with us. Are and, you doing? And, and I'm not only the lead historian, you know, artist to refurbish all of the decorative painting in the place, but I've also been hired as the lead interior designer to create the other rooms around it. Oh, so it's an opera house, not an opera hall, and there's a difference. And I can tell you about that in the next segment. <laughs> Or, or <laughs> next, next time appearance. we hang out. Yeah. Oh God, there it is, my friends. Carter Averbeck, you have been a freaking delight. This has been uh, an absolute joy. We've enjoyed the absinthe. I don't have time to do a quote, but ladies and gentlemen, Carter will be back on the program shortly. Stay with us in the future. I didn't get All right. That was delightful. Yeah, that, that was a solid, that was a solid segment. Fuck me. Right? Yeah. He does awesome shit, doesn't he? Fuck, fuck your goddamn death in the afternoon. Man. You liked it. I, I'm, 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 you I'm hated it, but you liked it. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, just push through the tears. And you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that about sums it up. Your Instagram was cool. So let me ask you a question. How the fuck do you do that? So like, How the fuck do I do what? So, so do you just take a picture and, and you put it in portions? I've never seen that in Instagram before. Oh, that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's an app that you can do that with. Okay, but what's cool, though, is like you can oh, hone in on every piece. You're looking at my house. I love yes. all this. We need to yeah. figure out these guys no. do their 2 o'clock show. Got it. It's 152. We're great. But awesome. Yeah, that's cool my house. Cool my house is very modern. Yeah. But I, I, I took a page out of Picasso in the sense that as long as you know how to do the traditional stuff, you can experiment like nobody's business. It was a question, wasn't it? It's my mm-hmm. it's always the question I ask of artists. All right, so I'll mm-hmm. do you have to master Rembrandt before you can do Picasso? Should be good for Facebook coming up here. Yeah, and you have to master Picasso before you become anything else. And I learned that craft, and so that gives me room to decide whether or not I want to stick with it or move forward.